Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today, we're going to finish up our series, and, and I'm going to talk to you uh, a little bit about marriage and parenting and, and family and, um, and a dash of dating in there, and so we're going to cover it all. Uh, will you uh, turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 1? Uh, we're, we've been kind of in this verse because I, uh, and, and in this chapter because I really think in order for us to figure out how we work, we really have to go back to the original design. And in Genesis chapter 1, we see right after God created Adam and Eve, we see that God blessed them. I want you to know today, it has always been God's intention from the genesis of creation to bless you. It has not ever been God's intention to curse you. It has not been God's intention to be angry with you, to condemn you. The verse before this, 27, it talks about how God created man and woman. And the first thing he does is bless them. God wants to bless your life. He wants to bless your mind. He wants to bless your actions. I thought I'd be getting way more amens around this part. You're saying, I'm not so sure. I'm telling you from the beginning, God's hand of blessing has been on your life. Before you did anything good, before you did anything wrong, God's hand of blessing has been on your life. And my prayer, my hope is that God's hand of blessing continues and increases over your life. Come on, God doesn't just bless them, he blesses you. And God said to Adam and Eve, now here's his command, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. It's God's goal for you to have a fruitful life, to have a healthy, a growing, a flourishing life, and that you would multiply. God's not just into addition, he's into multiplication. And he says, and then fill the earth and subdue it, and subdue it. God is saying, I want you to be fruitful, I want you to multiply, I want you to fill the earth, and I want you to subdue it. Today I want to tell you uh, uh, this very simple truth. Great relationships require work. Great families require work. And great families come from great relationships. Great relationships require work, and great families require work. Uh, this is This is... This is a simple truth, but if you, would, if you would understand it and embrace it, I'm telling you, it would absolutely change your life. In order to grow into a healthy marriage or a healthy family, great effort will be required of you. Here's, here's the problem. Bad relations happen naturally. They require no effort at all. Your relationships, <laughs> your, your negative relationships, they, that's... That is the, uh, the natural rhythm and flow of relationships is, is disorder and bitterness and hurt and frustration and anger. You, you don't have to practice that. You don't have to practice selfishness in relationships. You don't have to work on it. You need no investment in that area. It is going to just, it's just going to happen. But if you want your relationships to grow and become healthy and become all that God had created them to be, you're going to have to work at this thing. You're going to have to invest at this thing. You're going to have to add some effort into this thing, but I, I've got some good news for you. You've got what it takes to build healthy and growing relationships. God will come alongside you, and he'll bless it. Amen? And he'll bless, and he'll bless you. I, 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 um, I love this verse right in the beginning that God creates mankind and then commands mankind, be fruitful, 
multiply and subdue the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, and conquer. This is what you were created to do. You were created to be fruitful, you were created for multiplication, and you were created to subdue the earth. In other words, the earth might fight back, but you can win this. You can win this war. Life might, take, might punch back, but you can win this fight. Come on, it might be difficult, but you can overcome. Amen? From the very beginning, God says, subdue it. Come on, win this fight, win this battle, win this war. See, the problem is what we're fighting against is a, a universe of disorder. I don't know if we have any uh, chemistry majors or, or uh, physics majors in this place or anyone that even just graduated high school. But, <laughs> but in, uh, in, in, in science, they'll talk to you about this concept of entropy. And entropy is found in the second law of thermodynamics. And here's the concept of entropy. Entropy, the definition, is something that lacks of order or predictability, it's a gradual decline into disorder. A gradual decline, so when entropy is at work, there is a gradual decline in disorder. And, and we find this in the second law of thermodynamics, which states that the entropy of any isolated system always increases over time. Simply put, everything tends towards chaos. Everything in the universe tends towards chaos. Empires fall, ruins crumble, your hairline recedes, cars rust, right? Cells break down. Everything in the universe tends towards chaos. And, and you know this. And, and, and this, this, is a, this is a universal principle, but here's what I would propose to you today, that there is some form of entropy that happens in relationships. That relationships never on their own get better in reality, if they're left to their own, they naturally seem to decline, become disordered, become filled with chaos. And, and the good news is that you can fight against entropy. You can push against this thing, and you can actually build, grow, establish healthy relationships. Let me, let me show you what entropy looks like uh, over here with this, this little illustration. I have right here uh, a, a puzzle, a uh, 750-piece uh, uh, puzzle. And, um, and it's of a lion because uh, it's the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm just trying to keep everything Christian around here. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, when, we're, we're going to do a little exercise. If, 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 theoretically, when I take this, this, uh, this box apart and I, I throw it on this table, theoretically, these pieces could all fall together, correct? In, in some abstract, incredible, ideal, perfect world, when I throw... This puzzle, down on the table, they could all fall together. The pieces exactly are as they are. We're going to see if right now a miracle happens in this place and that happens. You ready? All right, so let's, let's see. Okay, that didn't happen to nobody's surprise. Because the reality is everything tends towards disorder. Like the, 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 the statistics of disorder far outweigh the, the chance of order happening randomly. The reality is throwing this puzzle on the table would never solve the puzzle, never. Why? Because that's really not how the universe works. The universe tends towards disorder. So if I want to solve the puzzle, what am I gonna have to do? I am going to have to exert greater effort on the puzzle than the puzzle has naturally in order to solve the puzzle. I, I, as an outside force, am going to have to exert time and ability and strategy and thinking 
and probably a little bit of help in order to solve this puzzle. Listen, this puzzle is complicated, but it is not as complicated as your life, and it is not as complicated as your relationships, and it is not as complicated as raising kids. And yet we sometimes think, well, that it will just come together. If we wouldn't think this puzzle would come together, why would we think that these very intricate pieces of relationships in our life would ever randomly fall together? No, the reality is order is required. And more than that, let me throw in two little tips here. Uh, the, the, the real puzzle masters of this place know that if you're going to solve the puzzle, what you have to start with is you have to start with the outside edges. You establish the boundaries first, and then you are able to solve what's within. God's boundaries help you figure out what's healthy and what's right in your design within. His boundaries are not there to hurt you. They are there to help you solve who you are and how you should relate to others. And secondarily, you always need a reference point when you are solving a puzzle. If you don't know what it should look like at the end, you will never be able to solve it in the process. Yes, you are going to need something to look at as you are solving, as you're going through the equation of bringing order. You're going to need mentors. You're going to need the Word of God. You're going to need church. You're going to need a picture of what a good finished product looks like in the process of bringing that about. Can you say amen, church? Amen. What's interesting is uh, no one has to tell us this uh, when we're dating. We know naturally that there is no way we are gonna, going to acquire a spouse accidentally. We know it instinctually that if we're going to acquire someone of worth, that we are going to have to invest greatly in order to get a spouse. We know this. When we're dating, we understand that this thing's just not going to fall together. It's going to require time and effort. It's going to require um, uh, late nights. It's going to require picking them up. It's going to require taking them out to fancy dinners that you, you really honestly can't afford and probably shouldn't even afford. It's going to require more from you, right, than you are going to get out of it. But that's what investing is. We understand that we have to fight against the universe's tend towards disorder if we want to establish a great, healthy relationship and get that girl, get that guy. Right, we, we, we get this with dating. When I was dating my wife, she lived in upstate New York, and, and uh, uh, I would drive four and a half hours to go up to have lunch with her, and then drive four and a half hours back on the same day. And I thought I was getting a good deal out of this. <laughs> I drove the whole time with a smile on my face. I'm pumped. We go to Wendy's. I drive back. <laughs> Killing it. Now, if she asks me to get off the couch to get her a water, I feel like it is an extremely unreasonable request. <laughs> and it's always when she, it's like right when you sit down. You ever notice that? It's right when you sit down. It's like she has a force sense. Something just changed in the universe. My husband is, he's resting. <laughs> hey, can we just make a deal here? Can the couch become a safe space? Can we just all agree that when you're on the couch... There should be no work required for minimum 20 minutes. Can we just come to agreement, one church, one, one community under one God, one Lord, one Savior? <laughs> now listen, we understand that energy is required to create stability and health in our relationships. We understand that. And, and, and here's the good news. You were made for this. 
You were made for this. If you've ever gone on a date, you have, you'll find out you're not bad at this. You can put in the energy. You can put in the talent. You can put in the time. You can put in the strategy. You can put in the work to build a healthy relationship. What, 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 I, what I find interesting, though, is why do we not carry this mindset of investment, of creating, into the next stage of our relationship? So many times we treat, we, we, we treat um, dating so differently from marriage. And, and, and we don't bring over this concept of effort or work or investment or helpfulness or sacrifice into the next stage of this relationship. What we're so good at at dating, it's like we forget when we say, I do. I do. I do not any longer get you stuff. Flowers. Look, good marriages, they must be made. They do not just happen. They do not just happen. They must be made, created, built, and then they must be maintained. Now, I know that's not a sexy, really cool thing to say, but let me tell you, this is the truth. Good marriages must be maintained. I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of amens on this. I knew it. I was ready for you, though. I think the problem is so many times we're looking for in, in, in marriages and in, in those that are married, many times we're looking for miraculous change to happen in our, in our spouse. We're looking for miraculous change, unbelievable, undeniable God change to come into our midst when the reality is I think God's saying I'm not gonna bring a miracle where daily maintenance will, will bring the solution. Daily maintenance is what grows your marriage. Daily maintenance is what makes it healthy. Daily maintenance is what the same thing that worked in dating now needs to carry over into marriage. And listen, the forces of entropy are at work. And by the way, the enemy is pushing anything that will break your marriage apart. He's pushing anything that will bring disorder. So you have to fight back against the gradual decline that's natural in the state of your marriage. You have to fight back against that and you have to establish a strong, healthy, vibrant, passionate, fun, friend-filled relationship called a marriage. But you can fight against that. And you can fight for it. Listen, I, I had a car uh, when I was younger that I, I loved so much, but I didn't love enough to give it oil. I never took care of it, right? And, uh, and I, I kind of thought oil was a construct. It, it, was, it was something pe older people talked about, but it, it didn't apply to me. And, uh, and I love this car, but one day this car started making funny noises, and I knew, uh-oh, something is wrong. And so I said, I'm going to drive this thing to the, the closest car location to get this thing fixed that I possibly can. And I didn't make it half a mile down the road until my pistons blew, and there was a bunch of smoke, and there were noises that sounded like they were coming from the pit of hell <laughs> from my car. And, and, uh, and my car was, was absolutely toast. And and the mechanic said, listen, there, there's no way to salvage your car here. In order to fix this, we have to give it a complete overhaul, 100%. Listen, because I didn't do the maintenance, I then had to have a massive, complete overhaul. And I lost a whole lot. Look, this is same, same in your marriage. It's the same in your relationships. It's the little things and the daily maintenance that will make this thing work. Otherwise, you need to have a massive, complete overhaul. The maintenance is easier and the maintenance is cheaper than the massive and complete overhaul. And you know, I could have said, well, my car broke down, but did it? Did it? Or did I break my car down? Like, I could say my car's not working, but I actually think my car was working. 
My car was working to the exact level and extent that it could work without any maintenance. I think sometimes we say, well, my relationship's not working. Maybe it's working exactly correctly for the amount of time, effort, love, care, prayer you're putting into it. No, it's maintenance that builds good marriages, maintenance that builds great relationships. Because so many times I hear excuses, we fell out of love, we lost connection. No, the reality is you failed to maintain what God gave you. Good news is you can maintain. Here's some bare minimums to maintain a healthy marriage. Bare minimums to maintain a healthy marriage. I'm going to give you three things. And I believe if you enact these three things in your life, you are going to have healthy marriages. I can see everyone starting to take notes. This is good. Bare minimums. Basic requirements. Number one, number one, this is what you need to do daily. You need to have 30 minutes of conversation. 30 minutes of conversation. One-on-one, not texting, emojis don't count, not on the phone. Real conversation between a husband and wife. This, this closes the gap of distance. This closes the gap of separation where the enemy can come in and sow lies and discord and bitterness. You need to have 30 minutes of daily conversation. This is what you need to do weekly. Here's the second thing. You need to have a date night. You need to have a date night. And you say it's expensive. It's not as expensive as a counseling session, right? You need to have a date night. Go to the movies, get away from your kids. Now, if you say I'm too busy to have a date night, I think that's one of the core problems. You cannot be too busy for your spouse. Listen, you need to, uh, husbands, you need to date your wife or someone else will. You need to have a date night. I'm going to move right on. Number three. You need to have consistent physical intimacy. <laughs> he goes, amen. <laughs> Some people are saying, like, what is he talking about? That guy's like, that's right. Consistent. <laughs> oh, oh, so funny. Hey, listen, let me, let me, <laughs> look, let me, let me break it down very simply for you. You have to schedule it if you have to. Put it in your calendar if you have to. But don't let this thing get sidelined for, for life because here's the problem in marriage. You, especially when you have kids, you can become coworkers. You can become RAs in a dorm room together. You, 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 can become, you can become long distance like, like, uh, like your roommates, but that's not what God created for your marriage to be. It should be filled with friendship. It should be filled with intimacy. It should be that God created you two for each other, and you need to separate some things. Hear me. That you need to schedule some things on your schedule. Make them sacred. These are the maintenance things that equal a great marriage. Now, if you have a great marriage, you're going to have a great family. But if you let your kids become higher in priority than your marriage, in the end, they'll actually suffer for it. Your marriage comes first. Can the church say amen? Amen. amen. All right, I'm going to move on. But here's, here's what I just want to say quickly on this subject. Here's what furthers entropy. Here's what furthers disorder in your relationships. Here's what furthers breaking down in your relationships. No, number one, secrets. You need to be open and you need to be honest in your relationships. Secrets create sickness in marriage. Number one. Number two, it, it, the, uh, the second thing that, that brings entropy and, and breakdown in your relationships is self-centeredness. And the third thing is unforgiveness. And, 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 and the person you're married to, 
um, it's actually the easiest to have unforgiveness towards them because of the amount of things that, that, how much time there is and how many things they say to hurt you. And I'm not talking about big, bad unforgiveness. I'm saying very little things that, that hurt you, that you allow to go deep, that you never bring up in conversation so they never can be forgiven. Little tiny things, that they're like, they'll go down deep, but it's the enemy that will go and it will sow the seeds of divorce and discord and separation and hurt and loneliness. And what you have to do is you need to have that date night, you need to have conversation, there needs to be physical intimacy, and that begins to uh, fight the natural degradation that happens in relationships. Can you say amen, church? Amen. 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 And, 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 and so I want to I shift it's because a, a, a positive marriage produces a great family. And I want to talk to you just a few moments here about parenting and, and raising children. See, raising children uh, is like guiding a river. You have to set its banks. You must direct the flow of your child's life. Hear me. If you do not engage in the process of boundary making, if you do not engage in the process of helping the flow, this child's life will quickly overflow the banks. See, if a river is in its proper order, it brings life to all around it. But when there's a flood, there, it, the flood brings death to all around it. Within the banks, it is life-giving. Outside of the banks, it is a destructive force. You, as a parent, are called to set the boundaries and the banks of the river and help direct the flow of this river. Where is your child's life going to flow towards? You can set the trajectory of your child's soul at an early age. The Bible talks about how young people are like arrows in the quiver of, 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 uh, of an older person, of, of a parent. They're like arrows. Listen, an arrow, when you pull it back and you set its mark, it doesn't change direction mid-flight. You are able to set the trajectory of your children, and you're able to shoot that arrow right towards the enemy. I'm telling you, your children under good parenting can really be a force for God in this culture. But, but listen, I don't know if you know this. Children will not naturally mature. Have you figured that out? No one naturally matures. Listen, they must be led. They must be led. They must be guided. And you are the leader, parent. You are the one who God has put in their lives to guide them. And, and this is how you do this. You need to encourage the God-instilled qualities in your child. Encourage the God-instilled. Bible says that God made us in his image and likeness. What in your children is a reflection of God's image and likeness? You need to find those things. You need to encourage those things. You need to speak over those things. And when the force of the enemy tries to come into their mind or their relationship or whatever, your voice needs to be louder and more consistent than the voice of the enemy over their life. Because you're leading them and you're guiding them and you're raising them. And you say amen. amen. Listen, over my sons, when, I'm, when I speak over my, I've got a four-year-old and a uh, two-year-old. He's about to turn five here in, in, in a month or so, but... When I'm speaking over my sons, I tell them that they are strong and they are protective. They are strong and they are protective. I tell my sons that you've got something to say. You've got something to say. You are interesting. You are likable. People can't wait to hear what you have to say. You are smart. You all think your kids are smart. You don't have to say that. that we all think our kids are geniuses. I tell them, you're a genius. <laughs> Hope I'm not screwing them up. I tell them, you're a leader not a follower. Because see, that needs to get in them early. 
So by, by, by the time they're 15, they've got it deep within that I'm a leader, not a follower. I'm a culture maker. Not, I'm not formed by culture. And in our current culture, they're going to need to have that deep belief on the inside of them. And here's what I tell my sons, that you have the ability to develop self-control. You have the ability to develop self-discipline. Your emotion is not your identity. Your reaction is not your identity. You can develop self-control, young man. You can develop self-discipline, young man. They're going to need this when they're older. I don't have a daughter yet, but when I have a daughter, I'm going to tell her that she's beautiful inside and out. That her purity is her strength and her nature. I'm going to tell her that she is uh, stunning like her mama. A lot. I'm going to tell her that. I'm going to tell her that her kindness reflects Jesus. That it's not a weakness. That it reflects Jesus. And I'm going to tell her that she, is, that she has a, a strong spirit. I'm going to tell her that, she's a, that she is a strong, spirit-filled woman of God. Listen, I'm going to speak those things. Listen, I'm going to speak those things so that when the voice of the enemy tries to come and tell them what they're not, for years I've already told them, told them who they are and what they are. I get to get a jump on this thing as a parent, one of your four most abilities and giftings and responsibilities is to guide your child into the way that they should go. And God has given you a specific authority and anointing to speak over them. You get to set the trajectory of their entire life. Listen, you got to understand this is an incredible power. If you don't use this power, that's on you. But you have this power to help your child become. Otherwise, otherwise, the world is going to tell them who they are. Their friends are going to tell them who they are. Their mistakes are going to tell them who they are. Their emotions are going to tell them who they are. They need a greater voice from the very beginning fighting against disorder and chaos telling them who they are and who they're not. That is who God has made you to be. Proverbs 22, verse six says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. You set the trajectory of your, of your child's life. Let me show you some seasons of parenting. Zero to five years is the season of getting control over your child. Zero to five is getting control, and I would just add to that, good luck. Listen, this is where you establish authority over their lives. Listen, listen, hear me. These seasons, you have, to, you have to double down and get good at what you should be getting good at in this season. Otherwise, you'll be leading a season behind, and that's why it, it, it doesn't work. Zero to five is when you're getting control. Six to 12 is when you're instilling values. A lot of times, you'll see a 12-year-old that is absolutely managing the house, running wild, and, and the parent absolutely has no control. It's because not because they don't have it at 12. It's because they didn't get it zero to five. Right. Zero to five is where you get control and you set the boundaries. This is what you do. This is what you do not do, right? But then six to 12 is then you begin to say, this is who you are. This is who you're not. Yeah. This is who we are. Yeah. This is what we value. Right. This is what we do. Yeah. This is where we're headed. You begin to instill the values that are in you and on you and on your home into your child. 13 to 18 is where you become the coach. This is where you begin to help them in life, where you take them out of the game and you sit them down for a while, where you correct them, where you lead them and you guide them and you're coaching them. And then 18 years plus is where you become a consultant, where a consultant is trustworthy and they are sought out by the child. Hey, what do you think about this person? What do you think about this business decision? What, what, do, you think about, what do you think about the college I'm gonna go to? And that's where you become a consultant. Hear me, sometimes parents are trying to see, uh, 
trying to lead a season too late. You know, another problem uh, many times I see with parents is they're, they're trying to lead in an old season. Listen, listen, when they're 13 to 18, you're not going to be able to tell them, you do not, you better not, you do not. But when they become 18, that definitely is out. So you need to establish a good relationship. They need to have real solid values that you already put in them. So when they go out on their own, they want to call you. They want to be connected with you. They want your advice. They, there's trust. Is this helping you? Is this helping people? Because see, if you can set these things in order early, if you can set these things in order early, you can, you can fight what the universe is going to want to, I say the universe, the world, culture, ideologies, lies, is going to want to come and break down. But I'm going to set a firm foundation, and I'm going to set it early in my children, in my marriage, in our relationships. The reality is we need to parent on purpose. We need to parent on purpose. Listen, here's, here's a couple thoughts that I have on this. Number one, parents provide the scale of priority. You provide what matters in your home. You do it through your actions and you do it through your words. I'm not going to say much on this, but I am going to say, if anything is more important than church when they're young, anything and everything will be more important than when they're older. If soccer is more important than church when they're young, you cannot get mad at them when partying is more important when they're older. If homework is more important than church when they're young, you cannot be mad when they're 20 and they're going to college and they are nowhere near God when they're older because you sowed the seeds of that. Parents provide priority. We do it through our words. We do it through our actions. We do it by what they see in us. Number two, this is my, my most important point today, I believe. Every parent is a leader. Every parent is a leader. Now, listen, you get to choose. Are you going to be a strong leader or are you going to be a weak leader? but you don't get to choose if you're gonna be a leader. The moment you become a parent, you become a leader. Will you be a good leader or a bad leader? Here's what I would, I would, I would propose to you. Don't be unequipped for the most important job of your life. Let me put it this way. Don't be unequipped for your purpose in life. Raising requires research. You're gonna to have to read a book on this. Think about how much you studied for stuff that means absolutely zero to you in life. There's so much we learn that doesn't matter. Listen, listen, you're going to have to learn some things about raising kids, and it's going to matter. It's going to require research. It's going to require reading a book. I'm glad that you read the Scarlet Letter, but you need to read something that actually is going to help raise your children. You know what I'm saying? I could tell. You're like, all right, we got it, buddy. I got a lot more to say on this subject, so you better amen a lot. <laughs> Listen, I think birth, birth is one day, but raising is a lifetime. Yeah. It's a lifetime. And I, I can't believe how much effort we put into the birthing process. I don't know, I don't know uh, what your experience was, but some of you guys, you went to birthing class. You did YouTube breathing videos. My wife made me go on a tour of a hospital that we already had a kid at once. <laughs> Why are we, we already been here. I, that was our room. And my wife's like, you're going to get something out of this. I'm, like, I'm not going to get I already know where, I already know where uh, Aubon Pond is. You know what I'm saying? I, I already know where this place is. I, I'm not, I ran this joint for three days, you know? And then we're going around, and, like, the lady's like, and this room is reserved just for fathers so they can come in and take a nap and take a shower. And my wife looked at me, and I was like, I learned something. This, is, this was worth <clears throat> Think of how much effort you put into one day. Listen, raising a kid is going to take so much more than that. It's a whole lifetime. 
listen, you need to get some podcasts. You need to get a book. We've got family uh, parenting courses. You're going to need to take some of those courses. It is going to take every bit of you. Dive in fully into this thing. Become a good leader in your home. Set a good culture in your home. The leaders establish culture. Set a good culture in your home. Because here's what I'm going to say. What happens in your home is on you. What happens in your home is on you. I didn't know. It's on you. I didn't know they were doing that. It's on you. What happens in your home, not just with your children, but who you have over. Everybody knew that, that house that you could go to to get away from everything. Get away with, it, with everything. You know what I'm saying? Don't be that home. Don't be the home where the parents aren't paying attention. Don't be the home where strange stuff is happening. Don't be the home where there's all this experimentation. Do not be that home. Your home is on you. Set the culture. It's safe. It's open. There's no secrets. There's no weirdness. We love Jesus. We're normal. Amen. Because listen, you are the pastor of your home. I was a youth pastor for eight years. I can't tell you the amount of conversations I had with parents where they said, fix my kid. And it's like, you screwed him up too much. I can't. Listen, church can't fix your kid. Church can't fix your kid. The community cannot fix your child. You have to pastor your child. You have to raise your child. The community can create a great atmosphere, and I pray that our church becomes that. But you're going to have to pastor your home. You're going to need to know God. You're going to have to get the Holy Spirit involved. You're going to have to read the Word. You're going to have to get a good class and a good mentor because you have to become a good pastor. Listen, this is how you set a good culture. This is how you become a good leader. Clear, consistent communication. Clear, consistent communication. That's what good leadership is birthed from. Clear, consistent communication. Think about this. When God was creating the heavens and the earth, the Bible says there was only disorder and void. It's like a picture of entropy. There was just chaos. So how did God bring order into disorder? And God spoke. When you speak, you speak creation into your home. Speak positive over your home. Speak anointed words over your home. Don't let your kids see you fighting with your spouse nonstop. I'm not saying don't fight. I'm just saying lower the volume and close the door. Try and fight less too, but if you have to fight, don't do it over the phone and from then speaking disorder and chaos into your home. Remember one time I was fighting with my wife. I was unhappy. We were in the car, and my son said, Dad, why are you talking so weird? Because he could pick up in the atmosphere. Dad doesn't normally talk like this. This is weird. He could pick up the supernatural that I was releasing with my spoken word. Speak life. Speak Holy Spirit. Have the right music playing in your home. Be careful the, the movies that you watch in your home. Let the Holy Spirit reign over your home. Come on, what's your vision? What's your values? I'm going over, but I'm going to let it get weirder before I end it. And parents, you have to have, you have, to have the... the I don't, I'm going to say it. You have to have the sex talk with your kids. And let me say this. It, it's not one talk. It's not one talk. Num it, it is a series of conversations in their emotional and physical maturity that they need help and guidance with. If you stay silent, the world will fill in that void with nonsense. You have to have this talk. 
because I'm telling you, they are experiencing things at ages that will blow your mind. It has to start much younger than you ever thought, and it needs to be an appropriate series of discussion and openness so your child can be guided in this thing as opposed to finding themselves getting smashed by wave after wave of culture and false ideologies and mistruth and weirdness. They need your voice in this maturing process of their life. Amen. 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 And, and my, my, my last point, what I would say is, is you need to be present in their, in their lives. You know, I just think that, you know, I, I, I hope our generation is going to excel at this. Those of you that are young parents that are raising kids, I, I, I think it's awesome that you're a provider. But, but, but the concept of I put food on the table is not enough. You need to be at that table. And I, and I would add to this, you need to be at that table with no iPhone in your hand. You need to be present in their lives. You know, it's not like, it's not like your kid is going to be, like, frustrated about the mac and cheese. Like, what, you didn't get me craft? Give me this knockoff mac and cheese? That's not going to affect anything. But what will affect something is you being there or not. You being there or not. You being present. You being connected to them. And, and the moment that they open up, you need to be able to... Re- you need, to be, you need to be with them so the moment they open up, you can take advantage of that moment. Speak values and vision and life into their life. I don't think, you know, for those, for those that are raising their kids together, I just think this is a generational problem of not that the fact that, the, you know, and I understand this happens, but not so much that the dad leaves for cigarettes and never comes home. It's more that the dad's home, but he's not there. And I'm saying you need to make sure that you are there because your kids need you, not just your physical form. Your kids won't be shaped by the square footage of your house. Your kids won't be shaped by the make and model of your car. Your kids won't be shaped by the title or the accolades of your career. Your kids will be shaped by your time. Your kids will be shaped by your words. Your kids will be shaped by your love. Your kids will be shaped by your presence. And I've got one. And listen, I know maybe some of you don't have kids here, but can I say all of these principles apply all the way to relationships, marriage, and these principles apply even to grandparents. But, but let me just add this one last point. I'm going to end right now. You are not alone on this thing. God will come alongside you. And God will help you raise your kids. God will protect them when you can't. God will defend them. God will speak to them. They, this is why they have to have their own relationship with God. It's priority number one, so that the Holy Spirit can come alongside and be their counselor and protector and healer and, and, and guidance, you know? But God will help you raise your kids. You don't have to raise them in fear and frustration and anger, but the Holy Spirit can come, he can come and guide you. Uh, let me put it this way. This is a prayer I like to pray. God, you gave me these kids. Help me raise these kids. You gave me these kids, so you're going to need to help out around the house. And he will. He will. He will. He'll give you the right words to say. He'll give you intuition. And I'm going way over, but, you know, he'll give you intuition. They're hanging around with a weird kid. You say, that's a weird kid. And they say, why? I don't know. I got the Holy Spirit, though. I don't have to have data on everything. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you should go to that place. I don't know if you should be involved in that thing. Why not? 
Because I got the Holy Spirit. Got the Holy Spirit, and he's helping me lead. He's helping me lead. Get God involved. Look at, look at this psalm, and I'm going to close right here. Without the help of the Lord, it's useless to build a home. God will come alongside. He's going to help. He's going to lead. He's going to guide. And I believe the forces of entropy are less than the force of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.